welcome to Beyond the Venue podcast. I'm your host, MG, the venue specialist. Uh, my guest today is my longtime friend from the beer world, Meredith Megan Reber. Hi, Meredith. How are you today? Hi, I'm doing well. Happy to be here. I, Meredith, you have such an extensive resume, but I'll, I'll keep to the bullet points. <laughs> so you are the proprietor of Homebrewed Events. You are a certified Cicerone, and listeners, we're going to dive into what exactly that means. You are an event director, and now you have a brand new role with Deer Creek Malt House. So we're going to talk about all the things, but the very first subject we'll we'll get into is a Cicerone, um, or you know, as my friends who don't know anything about beer like to joke around the Ciceroni. Um, you, so you are a certified Cicerone, which was a certification that I was going after when I was teaching fundamentals of beer at Drexel several years ago. And, you know, I think the, the, it breaks down into what, four, four different categories that you have kind of like the beer, beer server is at the first level, which is kind of, you know, basic beer knowledge that pretty much anyone who works in beer you know, it's, it's a very kind of basic level, but exactly. the, yep. the, the certified mm-hmm. Cicerone, which I was trying to achieve, um, is it was a 150 question written test with three essays and about everything pertaining to beer. So history styles serving. Um, but the, the difficult part that I had was the tasting component. And so this is where you and I like really reconnected because you, um, were, were offering the, the tasting courses. And so I think I had you and some other of our, our beer friends over at the house where you're training your palate to be able to pick up all flavors in beer. So not only are you having to use, you know, like a Miller Lite or another light beer as your base, but having to drink all of these absolutely disgusting off flavors (laughs) and to be able to pick them up. And, you know, it was was a hilarious experience because you're learning from each other and it's like, okay, this is what I'm getting. So that's part of the tasting portion is, you're required to pick up off flavors and beer that are caused. I think the first section was caused by packaging or an infection. Um, and then the second part of the tasting is guess which style of beer this is. You get to choose between two, name the style of the beer, which I had a significantly easier time with. And then <laughs> the last tasting portion of the test is, um, you know, is this served in in a draft form or by the bottle or can? And if it if it is, then is there anything wrong with the beer? You know, like you're it's supposed to be like, okay, I'm a I'm a server or I'm I'm the beer expert at this establishment and someone has returned this beer and you need to go back and taste it and say, yes, this is totally fine to serve, or no, it is not. And I failed that portion twice. <laughs> like all right I'm done but the the, the written portion the written portion I crushed I I did so well um and being able to like so it's kind of like you know what I'm done I and I think it was after I took the tasting portion the second time around that that's when I would also find out like oh I'm gluten intolerant so like let I wasn't teaching anymore at that point and was starting to like move on from the beer industry. So it's like, okay, this is a sign from the universe that you're done. Let's move on. So um, I'd love to hear about kind of like your experience, you know, with the Cicerone, what, what are the, are there levels higher than this certified? And, you know, are you interested in getting further levels? And also, are you still teaching courses related to Cicerone or are courses just more in general? Yeah. Um, so I did my certification, uh, while I was at Origlio. um, I actually helped our craft sales team and our marketing department get through the test. So on top of me taking the test, I was also helping organize the test, um, cause I brought Cicerone into Origlio for the, the tasting and the, the Britain porch. And we did trainings leading up to that. Um, and then we and also for our opened- listeners to Ariglio yeah. is one of the local Philadelphia beer wholesalers. Um, cause brewery has to go from the brewery to a wholesaler to the place where the consumer will actually purchase it. So 
Just want to clarify. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I was working in the marketing department at the time. I took on the responsibility for organizing the test um, and to work with everybody to do trainings. And, you know, I really enjoy, obviously, I really enjoyed talking about beer and teaching beer classes and all of that. So this was a fun challenge, um, as well as studying for it myself. We, I was lucky that I passed the first time, both the written and the tasting, um, but that doesn't always happen. Um, and if you pass one side or the other, you don't have to retake the one that you passed. Um, you just have to retake the one that you didn't make it. Um, but it's, it was a very fun process because I, I, I picked Cicerone over BJCP, um, which is the brewer's uh, side of things, um, because it is a judge certification program <laughs> program there we go and that's what's yeah. used for like the um uh the world cup and the what crap crap brewers conference and um, the uh gabf the great there you go american, great american beer festival yeah. Yeah. all all that judging yep yeah. so it's it's evaluating beer it's still doing the styles and stuff like that but i chose to throw over that because i do more consumer facing uh, education and class um, so I wanted to be able to, you know, know how the styles are made, the background on brewing, um, you know, the history of the style, and then of course the, the off flavors and understanding um, any issues that would be part of the beer, um, you know, while you're serving. Um, it was, it's such an amazing uh, experience. And I, I am so thankful that I went through that because I still use all of that knowledge in all of my classes, even now. Um, it's just such a fundamentally wonderful base for everything else. Um, and whether you are, you know, it's definitely for beyond the, the beer ser uh, server level. Um, this is a little bit more serious. Um, if you're in the beer industry, highly recommended to do. Um, it just, it's a lot, you know, I, I studied for it for a year before I took it and it, you know, it's a, all it's it was like being in college again <laughs> in a lot of ways um but studying beer which was more fun and so even now i for a long time up until uh, last year was doing a yearly um training course for friends um i am not a certified i can't teach cicerone classes i do kind of a training session for friends to like refresh my own knowledge and also help other people who want to do the the training and the test you're doing an off flavor training at least once a year that sounds awful yes. um at, it, but you have to keep your palate up so you have I get to it. Um, oh i get it it's not a great experience. So it's all about, it's all fun and games until you drink uh, all the off flavors. <laughs> um, but it, it's training your palate to pick up the flavors. And then, you know, the idea is that you dose them really high at first and then back it down so that you pick up even the subtlest little bit of off flavor. Um, it's interesting because everybody's palate's different and everybody picks up and perceives things differently. Um, I really like, I don't pick up oxidation. That is one like off flavor that I just do not pick up whatsoever. And even now, like, so I, I've been certified Cicerone for six years, just about. And that's still one that I can't pick up. <laughs> so I use a process of elimination. Uh, right. I find all the other ones and then I find that one. <laughs> um, but it's, it's funny that like, and then there's others that are like super sensitive too. So like um, the Mercaptan, the, the um, skunked flavor, that one I'm very sensitive to. So. Cause there, there's a total of four levels. I, I know there's a master Cicerone and then is there, is there something there's something in between. Um, okay. So funny enough, I when I got my certification, there were only three levels. So it was the beer server, certified Cicerone, and the master. Um, and I was like, cool, I can I can coast here forever because like being a master is really hard. There's only like at that point 13 in the world. Like I maybe will try it if I have a lot of time on my hands, but like I'm good. Um, and then a year later, they added the advanced level. <laughs> Um, which is just okay. a little bit harder. Yeah. So it's a little harder than, um, the certified Cicerone, but it's not quite to the level of the master. So I was like, well, shoot, now I got to start studying for that. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you have, uh, intentions of going after an advanced Cicerone certification? 
I do. Um, I started studying last year, but I realized that there wouldn't be any tests last year. Right. <laughs> um, so I kind of put that on pause. Um, so now I'm starting to study again, but I just took on a new role. So I don't have a lot of free time. So it's a, it's a goal that I have and I don't have a deadline for it. <laughs> well, let's dive back to the beginnings. So you have a extensive background in music and events. Um, and you're not originally from Philly, but you are originally from Pennsylvania, right? Yes, I grew up in Pennsylvania and I pretty much have lived in Pennsylvania my whole life. <laughs> Different parts. <laughs> so what, what, uh, tell our listeners about your, your background a little bit, um, specifically with the music, because this is a side of you that um, I, I feel like I've, I have only been learning more and more about uh, over this past year as you've been, you know, kind of reconnecting with your roots, as it were, um, with kind of getting started with the, with the music industry. Yeah, so I, I've loved music since I was a kid. It just was something that connected with me and I just really, um, you know, found an outlet with it and just like a passion that was beyond just like an interest. Um, I am not musically inclined. I wish that I was, but I knew a lot of people that were in bands. Um, this is when I was in high school and I was always organized. So I booked the fire hall and did the promotion and like, you know, would basically help them do shows to help their bands. Um, and I was like, Ooh, I like this. This is fun. I can, I can do this. Um, so once I got into college, um, I realized that there was a lack of original music happening in the college town that I was at. Um, so I wanted to bring original music to this new community. And I was like, oh, I'm connected to a lot of bands. Like, this will be easy. Um, so I started working with a local bar and it kind of turned into a part-time um, business for me while I was in college. Um, I was booking bands from all over, event, you know, eventually it was all over the US and then some international bands. Um, and then I started getting bigger and bigger bands and, you know, started working with bigger and bigger venues and it just kind of turned into a life of its own. Um, but that was my first official business um, called Cherry Darling Productions. And I booked shows from the time I was, well, technically in high school, but Cherry Darling Productions was from college up until I moved to Philadelphia, so 2012. So um, about eight years worth of uh, booking bands. Um, yeah, started your own business in college, that's amazing. <laughs> Um, and it was, it was very, uh, I still worked. I, I don't, I I'm trying to think of like how I did this at one point, but I, I was full-time student. I was part-time at Blockbuster cause I needed it, a steady income and I know <laughs> it was a good job. Um, and then I also was doing shows in the evening. So I basically had three jobs while, or two jobs while going to school full-time, which is a full-time job. Um, and then that continued when I moved to Harrisburg, um, I got connected with the Appalachian Brewing Company, the Abbey Bar, um, they do shows, uh, they still do shows, and um, a company called Greenbelt Productions, Greenbelt Events, and I started doing bigger shows with them in Harrisburg, and I got to book a few of my like heroes, uh, which is really cool, so um, on my own I booked uh, the Posters, uh, Agent Orange, The Casualties, uh, The Briggs, um, Street Dogs, a lot of punk bands. Um, and then with um, Greenbelt Events in Harrisburg, I got to book uh, Henry Rollins. Um, I got to book the Ataris, um, the Abbott Brothers, um, Spoon, which is really cool. That's mm -hmm. a, I love that band. Um, so it was just like, it, it was a nice progression to like go from smaller shows in state college to these bigger shows and kind of see what it could be like, you know? Um, but I was still working a full-time job and doing that um, because it was inconsistent money. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't quite make a living off of it, but I enjoyed doing it. Um, so I was working full-time for the American Cancer Society and doing shows. Um, and then eventually I started working at Trogues as well. So. I always have a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> you do. That's I, as long as I've known you, I feel like you, you always have so much going on, and it's all it's all good stuff and all somehow kind of correlated. But you, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this this last year I've 
really reconnected um, with music because, you know, going through, I, I went through a divorce last year, which is on top of a pandemic, not a fun thing to do. Um, so looking again to my, my saving grace, my music, um, I found a lot of uh, comfort there. Um, and I'm part of what I'm working on this year is I'm going to start booking shows again, um, just in a, a unique way because I have to incorporate food and beverage because I love it so much. So um, it's going to be a picnic series of uh, of punk shows. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I well, I'm excited to learn more about that. Yeah, that I don't have enough details to give you more than just a little teaser, but. I have a location. I have bands in mind. I just don't have dates or um, times. So, well, it's got to be tough too to plan, you know, any sort of events for the rest of the year. You know, especially you know, outdoors, we're pretty safe, especially if it's going to be on on the smaller end. Because I think as of as we're recording this in in late April right now, we we can have what up to two hundred and fifty people technically outside, which. Um, uh, one of the ways that, that you and I reconnected yet again, <laughs> uh, after the whole Cicerone experience was, uh, you have been responsible for, for putting on some like major festivals in the Philadelphia area. One of which is the second street festival, um, that takes place in Northern liberties in early August every year. Um, I typically have not gone in the past decade because uh, it's always my husband's birthday around that <laughs> yeah. weekend. And so it's generally that, that first Sunday in August. And we have typically always been out that Saturday. <laughs> so <Yep. laughs> when, when I started my business in early 2019, you and I grabbed lunch and uh, you were letting me know about some exciting opportunities that you had that you needed a volunteer coordinator for the Second Street Festival. So, you know, we would start working together as early as like May to start kind of planning things. And it was such a great experience. And so I remember like, okay, Bob, here's the deal. <laughs> I'm going to get paid You have to have this. that negotiation. <laughs> I, um, so it worked out perfectly because one of my girlfriends lives in Northern Liberties. And so I had the conversation with her like months in advance. She's like, we actually leave town on that weekend to get away from the crazy crowds. So you were welcome to stay in our house. So I, um, you know, had the dog stay with our, our dog trainers overnight. So he was well taken care of. I, um, you know, went out with my husband and our friends that night and then was up, I think at five o'clock in the morning because <laughs> it's a long day, but it was such a great experience to be able to, you know, do something different, coordinating all these volunteers. Um, it was a long day, but it was an amazing day. And I, I really appreciated you kind of bringing me into the fold and being able to provide all of this feedback of how we could improve, you know, 2020. <laughs> So, um, we obviously did not have that in 2020, no, um, no, I did not. <laughs> you know, what, will that be making a comeback this year? Not really sure about that. Cause that's such a large amount of people. How, how many, tell us about the second tree festival. Like, what is it? And I know that it's, it's such a large event. Yeah. So I, I took over. Uh, running the Second Street Festival in 2018. Um, so I had a, a good year in 2018 and a, an even better year in 2019 because I had a better idea of what to expect because <laughs> with such a, a large event like that, it's definitely a learning curve. Um, and then 2020, unfortunately, we could not host the event. Um, we waited and waited and waited to see what was going to happen, but the ultimate decision was that it just couldn't happen. Um, which I understand, I uh, still didn't make me feel better, but it, I understood. Um, so the event itself is uh, the first Sunday of August every year. Um, this would be the 13th anniversary if it happens this year. Um, it's just a music community and arts festival. There's lots of food. Um, it spans six blocks. So it goes from basically Girard down to Spring Garden on Second Street. Um, we have 150 art vendors, uh, 50 food trucks. There's 
normally seven to 10 beer gardens uh, run by the local restaurants. Um, we involve and engage all of the businesses on Second Street to have uh, activities and events and you know tables and information. Um, and we have two stages uh, that we book all, all the bands for, uh, which again, music, I love it. <laughs> um, always excited to include that in my in my events. Um, and then la the 2019 year, we also had a little skate skateboard uh, pop up. So a little skate park pop up uh, right by second, um, right by a standard tap. So uh, it's just a lot of fun. It's a it's all day. So it's um, 12 to 10. Um, so it makes a very long, long, long day because uh, all my staff and myself are there at three or four in the morning, um, closing the streets and getting everybody set up. And it goes, the day goes really fast, but that is a, a day where I am up and working for 26 to 28 hours. But it doesn't feel like that. <laughs> it's, I, um, I definitely knew that I, I was like, okay, I'm taking at least Monday off, uh, maybe Tuesday. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, it's it takes a little bit to recover, and it's it's funny because as the event uh, director, you know, the festival director, um, I have to do a couple things Monday morning, like after it. So I like I go home and I sleep for a couple hours, and then I meet the guys to pick up the golf carts and uh, make sure that the trash was cleaned up, and like a few, just a few things, and then I'm officially done. <laughs> <laughs> At least like, for, I'll, for I'll, that I'll be day. at the beach for the next week. Well, and then getting to spend that time together um, in but... August. Um, you you had an office in the Kismet co-working space, mm -hmm. and you had reached out to me in September and said, Hey, I'm only in the office um a couple days a week. Like, would you be interested in uh, you know, essentially like sharing an office with me it could be your space on, you know, Monday, Tuesday or, or Monday, Wednesday, and then I'll take it over Tuesday, Thursday. And it worked out perfectly because you're, you had reached out to me almost at the exact same time that uh, Jason and Michelle, who their episode aired uh, a couple weeks ago, um, I was working out of their office and Woody Gritty, yeah. but you know, their event season started ramping up in September. So it was kind of this office switcheroo, um, <laughs> but it, it, it worked out great. And, you know, I was sorry to see that they ended up closing the space due to the pandemic. Um, yeah. but you know, I appreciated that time and it was great because, I, I hadn't had like my own kind of space in a while. And so it was so nice. Like, I feel like we would like leave each other little notes and presents. And <laughs> it was, it was fun. It was like this gorgeous, like, I don't know. I, I don't know how long it lasted, but it was a gorgeous, like six months or eight months. I, or yeah, yeah. I feel like it was about six yeah. months. I feel like it was like September until mid-March. Like, I think I went, um, that last week, yeah. uh, you know, right before the <laughs> shutdown, and it was like, okay, you know, typically that, that Monday, I guess like the 16th or whatever, I would have typically have gone into work, but I'm like, ah, I'm not going to do that. And so, and Josh yeah. was running the show was so nice when I'm like, I, I think I'm going to put my, um, lease agreement on hold for a hot minute. Um, <laughs> I think, I think I'm going to wait a little bit before coming back into the office. So, um, I, it was just such an awesome space. It was on the sixth floor, right at 10th and spring garden. So, so much going around, uh, yeah. you know, the spring arts district and, um, it, it's nuts to think about, you know, kind of where office space is going to be heading and what people are going to be doing with the culture shift towards, you know, a working from home environment for so many different companies. So, um, it'll, it, it'll be interesting to see how 2021 plays out. Um, so let's talk about fun stuff again. So <laughs> we're, we're starting to slowly get back together. What, what are some projects that you have been working on virtually over this past year that you've really loved that you hope to continue moving forward? Yeah. So I, you know, when I'm not doing uh, big events or festivals, I do beer and spirits education. So I do classes around beer, around cocktails, around whiskey, you know, basically whatever you want to learn about. Um, and 
Oh, let me and, ask you. So yeah. you're teaching other other spirits classes. So we've got the Cicerone for beer, yeah. uh, the sommelier certifications for wine. Yeah. Is there um, a spirit certification that kind of runs equivalent to these uh, other certifications? I was thinking there was a whiskey one. Is there is there a whiskey certification? Yeah, you can be a whiskey steward. Um, and then a lot a lot of uh, the bigger spirits brands will do their own certification programs. Like Patron has their own, um, like I'm a, I'm, I'm a certified Patron server, whatever they call it. Um, you can do individual spirits as well. Um, as far as I know, there's no overarching one, just like, um, you know, the Bar Smarts is probably the closest, but that one is more, so it, that one is, I guess, more similar to uh, Cicerone because it's like service and um, spirits backgrounds too. And there's different levels to that. Um, but yeah, I, you know, all of everything that I do is, you know, up until 2020 is in person. You know, I did in person classes. I did the private events for Liberty kitchen and like, I, all of these things were meant to be shared in, in person. Um, so, you know, I took a, about a month and really just kind of mourned the loss of like, what is happening and what are we going to do about it? Um, I don't know (laughs) what this is. I built my business on person to person, in-person things and big events. And what am I going to (laughs) do? I'm pretty proud of myself. I I did an event, my first virtual event a month after COVID started, you know, quarantine started. So I was pretty much right on it from the beginning. Um, started out with doing happy hours just as a social thing um, for friends in the industry so we could get on and talk and socialize kind of like we used to do at bars. Um, and then from there, a couple weeks later, I did my first virtual tasting class and it was partnered with Love City, which I love them so much. Uh, they just celebrated their uh, third anniversary. Um, so yay. yay. <laughs> um, happy birthday. <laughs> um, and uh, we did a, a little chocolate and beer uh, package and it was just a lot of fun. And we sold out of those for about three months. We did um, weekly uh, for a while, which became a lot. <laughs> um, it was beer and chocolate and then eventually beer, chocolate and cheese. Um, and then we did one with cider. Um, I did uh, one for all the Pink Boots beers that came out that were brewed in March and, you know, highlighting female business owners. Um, And then from there, you know, doing um, public classes, I got, I have been, you know, after about July, I started getting hired to do corporate events virtually. Um, So companies would hire me to do tastings for their employees um, as a thank you for like being patient and working from home and, you know, being flexible and sticking with it, you know. Um, So I had probably about anywhere from two to eight of those a month um, from July through now. Um, So it's been it's been nice. It's been interesting switching to virtual. Um, it was definitely a challenge and I had to figure out how to do deliveries, which I've never mm-hmm. done before, how much to charge for that and how much time is actually going to take. And, um, it, it's been a definite learning curve, but it's been a lot of fun. And, you know, I'm also, excited because I get to help other businesses too. Like I'm staying afloat, but I'm also helping any of the breweries that I buy the beer from, you know, the local chocolate companies that I work with, um, which are Shane's or Chocolate, um, you know, the local um, creameries and, and cheesemakers, um, Shellbark Hollow, um, Birch Run, uh, working with Alex from Collective Creamery. Um, it's been nice, you know, working with people that I care about and, and helping them keep going, you know. Were you delivering all of these products yourself to those who would purchase tickets for these virtual events? Because I know pretty much any time I have done a virtual event where there's a food or beverage component, it's been like a specific pickup location. And so it's been on me Mm -hmm. to go pick up my you know, cocktail mixers or, you know, yeah. the food that, that, that is, so we're all enjoying it together. Have you done yeah. a mix of pickup and delivery or have you just. Um, it's been, it's been a mix. Um, okay. so the, the public classes that I did with love city, um, basically from April to July, um, those were all picked up at, at love city. 
Um, and the, we did a pickup at, um, I did an event, a sour fest with, uh, devil's den from, with Aaron from devil's den. Um, that was also a pickup. Um, basically all the, other than a couple, all the corporate of corporate events that I've done, um, have been delivery. My friends helped me out too. So I had, it wasn't, and my dad, (laughs) (laughs) I love my dad. Um, he helped out with some deliveries too. That's awesome. He's the best. (laughs) I can see where the, the, the occasional delivery just as an excuse to get out of the house and drive around the city. I I can actually see where that could be a fun afternoon activity. (laughs) I mean, I honestly, I love I love road trips. So this isn't necessarily a road trip because you don't end up anywhere fun. You just end up back at home, but you get to see a lot of cool parts of the city. Um, and you know, I got to even go into like Jersey and I spent a lot of time in Chester County. Um, cause I, I got to do a couple events for the Chester County, um, economic board. Um, so it's like, I got to see, and I'm like, I'm the person that will see something cool on the side of the road. So I'll stop and like take a picture of it, you know? So it's like, I got to see all like, all like I made it it was fun but it also took me all day (laughs) um but I I made it kind of fun yeah and then you know the last wherever I ended up for the last stop I would get food there so I would plan it out or try to visit a friend or you know something like that (laughs) That, well that actually sounds like a lot of fun um, yeah. <laughs> well, and now I I want to hear all about your new role with Deer Creek Malt House. Um, how how did how did that connection happen, and and what are you going to be doing for them? And also, what what is Deer Creek Malt House? Yeah. <laughs> um, so Deer Creek Malt House is a craft malt uh, purveyor. Um, they're located in Chester County. Um, so basically, malt is where you take barley or any like wheat or anything like that or rye and convert it to be able to be used for brewing or distilling um or in this case baking as well um it's you know everything's made in pennsylvania which is really cool everything's grown in pennsylvania um so it's very um unique uh business model um and it's really fun because um they're the first ones to open in pennsylvania since prohibition um at one point there were malt houses all over pennsylvania um, cause that's how breweries would get their ingredients to brew with. Um, once prohibition hit, it didn't only close all the breweries. It also closed all of the malt houses, um, where all the, bre- like a lot of breweries came back or new breweries came back. Um, malting as a craft did not, um, up until Deer Creek opened, uh, I believe in 2012. Don't quote me on that. Cause I'm still new. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I had worked with Mark, Mark's the owner of Deer Creek, uh, off and on for the Grain and Malt Symposium and a couple other like pop-up events, um, over the years. So our paths have crossed many times, um, and they were looking to grow their beer side of their business. Um, they're doing collaboration brews and, um, just really working with a lot more breweries and then also, you know, using the beers to do, um, farmers markets and sales on, on the website and all of that. So, um, you know, with Deer Creek, they also, you know, there's a brewing license, so it is a brewery, um, as well as a malt house. So, um, we can make and, and sell beer, which is really neat. Yeah, um, I did not so realize at one that. point, yeah. Um, so at one point, uh, Trevor and Mark were brewing uh, in a, on a small homebrew style kit um, at the malt house regularly. Uh, and then from there, it grew into collaboration brews with local breweries, um, you know, like Sterling Pig, Stable 12. Um, they've done a bunch. Urban Village has done a bunch. Um, and it's just this beautiful partnership. Um, but it was getting to the point where Mark couldn't do everything, <laughs> uh, as the business owner. Uh, so he, you know, it's a very small team. Um, so they're looking for somebody to really focus on sales and focus on beer and focus on education, um, which, and events, which is like all my favorite Hello. things. Um, <laughs> like, so uh, we didn't really talk about this, but I was a professional brewer at St. Benjamin's for just about three years. Um, so I have professional brewing experience as well as um, just about 12 years worth of home brewing experience. Um, so I really love beer and I love 
I always loved that side of it, but I didn't want to ever do that full time. And I realized that doing, you know, part time at St. Ben's, um, but it was always a passion and I loved it. Um, so now I get to kind of revisit that by helping set up and work with breweries to do collaboration beers, um, brew with them, help them develop recipes, uh, and then do education for us and what and why malts are important, why craft malts are important, um, and then doing events for Deer Creek itself as well as um, for consumers. Uh, uh, so anytime we do a big beer release, we're going to do an event, um, doing like malt dinners. Um, there's unlimited possibilities, uh, for it. So it's, um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it was not something that I was necessarily looking for. I got approached by Mark about it and I wasn't, I was like, okay, so I really love what they do and it really falls in line with what I'm doing. And I can't say no, because this is such an amazing opportunity. So sometimes it's funny. They always say that you, like something happens when you're not really like looking for it. Oh, <laughs> like, absolutely. Beautiful things can mm-hmm. happen. Um, and this was kind of one of those because it's like I my year is still uncertain with events for this year. Like I'm doing some smaller stuff, but um, I'm still uncertain about Second Street because it is a, a 30,000 person event. Um, I don't know if and when that can happen. Obviously at not that level. Um, So, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty in my life, um, you know, around work and what I was going to do for this year. So, you know, having this as a stable um, opportunity and it's a a learning opportunity. I'm learning so much. Um, I'm getting a chance to see the entirety of the malting process start to finish. I understand and I work different parts of it. So I understand and see what it is. Um, I'm helping with malt analysis. I'm, you know, helping coordinate. There's a PA pride beer release, which is, um, statewide collaboration. And, um, this will be the third one coming out. Um, hopefully the, the goal is for end of May. Um, it's going to be a Kolsch, which is really cool. So, um, it's, it's definitely such an amazing opportunity and I'm going to get a chance to meet such amazing, wonderful people. And part of what I love to do and what I missed, um, all last year, uh, was working with people. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, it was me when you don't have in coworkers. my basement. Yeah. I don't have coworkers. And, you know, I, we coming back to Kismet, like that made it feel okay because I did have coworkers. I did have people that I could see and talk to and work with. And, you know, I was working with Anne from Virginia Bell events for second street. And I was working with Victor from brew crew events for his beer fest. Um, like I had people I was working with, uh, through March and then I didn't, and I got really, really lonely. Yeah. I missed it. I just, I missed working with people and I missed working with passionate people and dedicated people. And, you know, Deer Creek has a very small, but very passionate team, um, behind it. So it's, it's been wonderful already. Um, and I'm also able to, um, I hired somebody for homebrew events. Uh, her name's Candace and she's amazing. We met her through second street festival. Um, and she is helping me with, with, homebrew event stuff. Um, I'm collaborating with a guy named Stevo and we're doing emo nights together. Um, it's just all of a sudden my world seems a lot brighter because I have people in it <laughs> and people that like I care about and place. people that I can work yeah. with. And yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. They make my life better. <laughs> I am so excited to to hear how how everything continues to to blossom for you in 2021. That's just so exciting. <laughs> um now I I have a crazy question. You had brought up a Philly Beer Week event coming up and I was like, no, there's <laughs> no way. There's cuz we can't even go to a bar. So what so for our listeners that might not be familiar with Philly Beer Week, um it was started in what, like 2008 was the first time we had it. And the, the original intention was, um, you know, a week of, uh, just curated, uh, beer events throughout the city of Philadelphia. And it, you know, turned into its own nonprofit. And, and so now we have Philly loves beer to try and celebrate, you know, Philly is a beer town 365 days out of the year. Um, wh- you know, for, 
for me, when I was working in the beer industry, it was always so exhausting. Like I alluded to, you know, needing to escape and sit out by a pool (laughs) the weekend before Philly Beer Week started. So what does Philly Beer Week look like in 2021 when we can't even sit at a bar? So I sit on the board for Philly Loves Beer, which is, um, you know, I'm very thankful that I can do that because I feel like I have a pulse of what's going on and I can try to help out. And, you know, I'm not a bar, I'm not a brewery. I'm kind of the in-between educator slash target customer that they would want um, for, for Philly loves beer for Philly beer week. Um, So this year it is happening. Um, It's going to be obviously very different. Um, It's going to be, bars and and restaurants and breweries are going to be able to do events at what they feel comfortable and Philly loves beer Philly beer week will help promote it um so really they want to try to help local businesses you know have business and to recover some and to um you know be able to showcase some beers especially local beers um you know this year it's not going to be the the crazy tent days that it used to be. Um, and we're not promoting it like that. It's going to be, you know, bars and restaurants have to follow the, the COVID guidelines and breweries have to follow the COVID guidelines for whatever County they're in. Um, Philly beer week is not going to charge for them to participate this year. Um, which is nice. It's more of a marketing opportunity for them. Um, it's going to be hopefully creating community around supporting local, um, going to your local bar, going to your local brewery, going, bringing things back to, to what the original intent of Philly Beer Week was at one point, which is to support local. Um, you know, are there going to be cool, crazy beers coming into town? Of course. Um, are there going to be some brewers and, and brewery reps coming in from out of town? Obviously. Um, but it's not going to be that's not going to be the main focus that it has been the last couple of years. Um, it's going to be bringing it back and supporting, um, you know, the, the people in your neighborhood, the people that are right around the corner from you, you know, the, the small breweries. So I'm excited about that potential. Um, and then also encouraging things to move outside. Um, I'm working with a human robot to do a beer, a non beer fest, beer fest. <laughs> um, so it's not going to be a beer fest, but it's going to be an outdoor um, art and music festival of sorts. Um, it's going to be at Sunflower Philly. Uh, we don't have all the details yet, but it's going to be June 5th. Stay tuned to Sunflower Philly for updates and Human Robot for updates. Uh, I'm very excited about it. Having an outdoor space like Sunflower Philly is crucial in this. Um, they're actually, I know we're going to talk about favorite venues, but I love them. Um, it's it's such a beautiful space. It's safe. It's spread out. There's lots of room. Um, and it's, they're already doing, uh, live music. They're doing DJs, they're doing arts events. Um, it gives you a safe space to gather outside. Will so I'm excited be, to see that. And yeah. will there be gluten-free options available at this, uh, event? Most likely no, it's a lager fest. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, well, Chris, but Christine so, Fisher and I are just gonna have to, you know. Uh, but you can come like just that. for the art too. So I, I, I have you not can come visited, and just support the art. Yeah, I have not visited Sunflower yet, and I've I had learned about it when I started my business, and um, so I, I would definitely love to come out, especially if if the weather is going to be gorgeous. You, I'm all about the outdoor spaces right now. So <laughs> there's some good ones. There's some real, it's funny, like, you know, with all of this, the amount of time that I've spent outside was way more last year than ever before. And you know what? I'm not going back. Like I'm, I'm, if there's a chance to meet outside, then I'm going to meet outside. If there's a chance to picnic, I'm going to picnic, you know, like it's, it's, it made me appreciate the city for what it is more so than even ever before. So, and using spaces in creative ways. And your birthday party was so much fun. Like, oh I'm God. so glad we were able to come out for that, <laughs> that, uh, you know, one of the historic mansions that you're, you know, because of the events that you've done, you are friends with the, um, the folks that take care of the house. And so you had this beautiful outdoor, you know, kind of BYO picnic situation. 
um, that was yeah, so much fun. We, we really enjoyed it. So it was, um, it was nice. And it was, it was in August. It was like kind of towards when things were starting to clear up a little bit and it just felt like the right time to get people together. Um, and this, again, it's a picnic, so socially distanced, you had your picnic blankets and all spread out. And it was just this beautiful setting. Um, I couldn't have hoped for anything better than that. Like that was, I, I want to do that every year now, <laughs> as long as John and Jamie are there <laughs> at a Woodford mansion. <laughs> so awesome. Well, so, uh, what is your favorite venue? Um, can be anywhere in the world. Uh, you know, a memory past, present, future. What, what is your favorite venue? Uh, so this one is kind of bittersweet. Um, I still love this space. Uh, it's called the Moss Building. Uh, it's on North Fifth Street. Uh, it's an old former brewery. Uh, now it's an event space. Uh, there's indoor space and then there's a beautiful outdoor courtyard. Um, and then they have these big, beautiful doors that open up and you can use the space indoor and outdoor. Um, there's a fire pit, there's trees, there's grass. It just like doesn't feel like it's in Philly. You walk into those back, that back area and it just, you get transformed to the country. Um, it's a beautiful building that's done a great job renovating it. Um, also me personally, I'm very excited about it because the owner is a musician um, and there's a recording studio on the first floor of the Moss building, which is really cool. Um, so it's like brewery and music and fire pits and outdoor and all this beautiful space. Um, and they're doing on Fridays, they're doing, um, uh, like outdoor, uh, events every Friday. Yeah, they've been doing some um, pop-ups. That's, yeah. uh, have you been able to make it to some of those? I went a couple times last year. I haven't gone since they restarted this year. Um, okay. and you and I went to a Valentine's Day dinner there. We did. Um, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. Um, so the reason it's bittersweet is because I actually got married there. Um, so I planned my own wedding, of course, because I'm an event planner. So it was perfect down to the, the to the T. I wouldn't have changed anything. Um, unfortunately, the the marriage didn't work out. Um, so it's just like it's happy, happy, sad. Like it was a it was a fun, perfect day that I wouldn't have changed anything for. But um, you know, the losing the relationship has been really hard um, over the last year and a half, almost. Um, so it's like, I have been back since then, but it's still kind of a happy, sad. Um, but I'm not going to not go because that is my favorite place um, in the city, um, both like personally, as well as uh, events. I've done events there, not my wedding, um, <laughs> uh, which is a lot of fun. So um, when we were doing Nosh, which was the vendor showcases, we did a Nosh there as well. Um, so it's like, it's, it's, they're great to work with. It's a great space. I can't speak highly enough about them. Yeah, it's definitely been um, uh, one of the go-tos for for my clients that um, what's it, it's, it's such an amazing space. The only kicker is for, you know, specifically for my wedding clients, because it is a historical building, it's not ADA compliant. And so, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, that's that, you know, oftentimes that's a, a big deterrent for certain couples, but you know, so I find them another, another space. So, but I, I, I do love it there. And I was glad we were able to do the Cozido and uh Tiny's bottle yeah, shop pop so for Valentine's day. <laughs> that was, you know, one of the last fun things we it did was, <laughs> before. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. That, that feels like a lifetime ago. Like it feels like three years ago, but it was, well, I mean, year. that's, we have, it, it's, even though it was only 14 months ago, it probably feels like it was five years ago at this point. Well, I mean, 2020 was basically three years. It was pre-COVID. It, it was like COVID really restricted. And then the twilight zone of whatever happened up until now-ish. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> Meredith, can you please let our listeners know how they can follow you um, and keep up to date with all these amazing events that you have going on? And I also wanted to uh, spotlight you who just started a podcast yourself. So congratulations, yes. <laughs> uh, the Curious Drinkers Club. So where can our listeners follow you? And then where can they check out Curious Drinkers Club? You can follow, you can find my website, homebrewedevents.com. And then for social media, it's just at homebrewedevents for Instagram and Facebook. Um, basically everything that I do, I share on there. Um, you know, 
especially Instagram. Um, and then Facebook use it for a lot of events. Um, but so the, I have two things I want to talk about. So Curious Drinkers Club, um, that's a brand new podcast. It actually hasn't been released yet. We're going to be released in May. Um, but it's going to be around music and drinking <laughs> because those are my favorite things. <laughs> um, so it was something that, you know, I wanted to do for a while. Um, I have a history in radio. I did a radio show at Penn State for three years. Um, my first job out of college was working for a radio station. Um, so I've always enjoyed um, the audio side of um, communications. Um, I don't have a face for video for for TV. That is <laughs> incorrect, for radio. Madam. That is incorrect. Um, <laughs> Um, but I just, I love the idea of like documenting, you know, I, I wanted to be a documentary filmmaker, but I realized I hated editing videos. Um, <laughs> so, you know, um, this is a way to do a, a documentary of sorts, um, where you're recording conversations. Um, so I love it. Um, but it's going to be talking to people in the music, beverage, art, um, events worlds, um, starting with my friends first, <laughs> um, and then eventually expanding out. Um, but we're doing your top 13 mixtape. So 13 song mixtape. We're going to talk about some songs that are important to you and then drink some beverages and talk about why, um, that beverage is important to you as well. Several of the guests from uh, Beyond the Venue podcast, I think would be a perfect fit for your show, but I recognize the importance of starting, uh, especially for season one with your friends, <laughs> as opposed to strangers. Yeah, well, it's funny, um, Dan from Beer Busters podcast is doing the recordings for me. Um, so him and I, we the first episode, we just interviewed each other. Mm -hmm. um, just to try out the format to get used to like having conversation back and forth. Um, because if you're doing 13 songs, we realize like, that's a lot of songs. So it's like, okay, how do we, how do we incorporate that? How, when do we take a drink break and like talk about what we're drinking? It was like coming up with a format. Um, and then we interviewed Justin, who's the GM for evil genius. Um, who's also a very good friend. That was our second interview. Um, and then we have two more coming up. Uh, next week and the week after, uh, and then we're going to start releasing them because <laughs> they're getting I, better with each one. <laughs> can't, can't wait to listen. I'm sure it's going to be fantastic, and I will have a gluten-free beverage uh, as I listen along. Um, I will not be drinking beer. Meredith, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, yeah. This was such a wonderful conversation, and I'm I'm just really excited for all the things that you've got coming down the pipeline in uh, 2021. And so listeners, thanks for joining us today. Uh, follow Beyond the Venue podcast on Instagram and also check us out on all of your favorite streaming platforms. Have a great day.